Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Today, Cornerstone, how are we feeling? We're feeling good? Good. You guys look wonderful. The costumes that I have seen today, we have a, we have a gorilla in here that I saw. <laughs> we got, we have, we have stuff all over the place. This is, this is awesome. Well, happy Halloween weekend. Um, we had trick or treat in our neighborhood last night. Anybody else with trick or treat last night? Man, I got a bunch of those invite cards that we gave out last week to hand out. This was the busiest trick-or-treat we've had in our neighborhood, and I don't even know how long since we've moved into the neighborhood. It was crazy. I ran out of invite cards. Did anybody hand those out last night? Anybody? Anybody hear from an invite card or you got one, like whenever you were walking out? Okay, we had quite a few people in first, uh, our nine o'clock service, who were here who got invite cards um, uh, yesterday. I was jokingly saying, I'm like, oh, I can tell you this much. Those people were not here because of me handing out those invite cards. Because whenever people would come up, I, I'd, you know, I'd grab some candy and I'd grab an invite card and I'd put it in. And a lot of times whenever I do that, people would see that there's a piece of paper, something that I was putting in there. And they'd kind of pull it out and look at it. No, what's this? And I, I, what I'm wearing at the moment that I'm doing all this, I have a Michael Myers mask on. <laughs> I've got a fake butcher knife and people are like, what's this? And like muffled through the mask, it's, Oh, it's a, it's a thing for my church. I'm the lead pastor at Cornerstone. <laughs> so they're like, oh, okay, come on, honey. Let's go. Get, get away from the man quickly, quickly. <laughs> uh, so if people are here. It was not because of me sending invites <laughs> yesterday. Uh, but man, I do. I love that about our church. I love that we, we canceled church last night, our Saturday service, so that we could be the church in our communities. I love the fact that we can celebrate and have fun during Halloween and spooky season because we truly believe here Jesus is Lord 24-7, 365, and that there isn't a day on the calendar that doesn't belong to him. Uh, we truly believe that we put our money where our mouth is, and I love that about our church. That's why we've been able to have this series that we've been doing, How to uh, Survive a Horror Movie. Um, we're getting ready to close this thing out today. Uh, we, we've done this series now uh, the last two years and then this year. So depending on how long you've been with us, this is either part five or it's part 15 of the series that, that we've been in. Uh, but I, I'm excited to close this thing out. If you've missed any of the weeks of this series, any, any of part one through four, um, we, I would encourage you, man, go online, check them out on our archive. We've been looking at a lot of common horror movie cliches, seeing how they apply and how they play out in our own lives. Um, we've talked about keeping our eyes on the killer to not be distracted to our own weakness and sins. Uh, week two, we talked about running out of the house, not up the stairs, uh, that if we want to walk towards a fulfilling future in life, we need to actually walk the way of that fulfilling future. We can't just wish for it to happen. We've got to actually walk that out. Uh, part three, we talked about stop the recording that so oftentimes in horror movies, the cameraman uh, ends up dying because they're so focused on this narrow little video screen and they're ignoring everything else happening around them. We talked about the importance of being present in our lives, how we can't be so caught up on the past or on the future that we miss what God is doing in the here and now. And then last week, we talked about check your cell signal, right? That so often in these horror movies, uh, characters die because they have no signal on their phone. And we last week checked our signal, how it comes to our prayer life and what we ask 
God for us. So that's where we've been so far. And now today, today, as we close this thing out, which actually, real quick, I just want to see, since we have done this for, for three years now, who was with us whenever we did the very first How to Survive a Horror Movie series? Okay, then you joined in. What about people who joined in with How to Still Survive a Horror Movie the second year? Okay, and then how about this one? This is your first one that you've been a part of. Okay, man, that's odd. That's cool. We got a nice little cross-section. So what I'm seeing are like the different degrees. As we've been studying how to survive a horror movie, we've got people with their bachelor's degree, people with their master's, and people with their doctorate in surviving horror movies. That's, that's great to see. <laughs> well, and really what we've been doing, the reason we've been studying horror history, the reason we've been studying horror movie history um, is for a reason, like there, there's a purpose behind it, and it all kind of culminates with what we're talking about today. So if you're a sermon note taker, our title for today is this, No Horror History or Be Doomed to Repeat It. Maybe you've heard a phrase like this before, know your history or be doomed to repeat it, right? No horror history or be doomed to repeat it. This is why we've been studying horror movies. It's why we've been looking at all these horror movie cliches, uh, because if we do not know horror movie moments and what they look like and how they affect us and, and what, what happens whenever we go through them. If we don't know about them, we're doomed to repeat them. We're doomed to fall into the same cycles over and over again. And for some of us, we may not make it out alive. We may not make it out of that relationship alive or out of that job alive or out of that season of life alive. So that's why we've been studying this. We want to know our horror history so we don't end up repeating it. If you would, let's bow our heads and let's pray real quick before we hop into the rest of today's sermon. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us today as we study your word, that you would illuminate it, that you would make it fresh in our eyes and in our hearts and in our minds today. We want to walk out of here a changed people, a people who have encountered you, encountered your word, and had it change them for the better. So do that, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, and we'll give you and you alone all the glory and all the praise. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want us to start, we're going to be reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. This is not a common book that we usually hit on a lot from Scripture, uh, but I, it's a perfect place for us to start as we look at chapter 1. I just want to look at two quick verses from Ecclesiastes, verse 9 and verse 10 of chapter 1. This is what it says. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people will say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. History repeats itself. History repeats itself. Um, this situation, it can either be scary or it can be comforting. Uh, with what we're talking about today, the fact that history repeats itself, I actually think is a comforting notion as we dive into our subject matter for today. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to tease out an idea, and I want you to follow me along with it because each idea builds on the next, okay? So um, I think about this today, that our history repeats itself, that there's nothing new under the sun. And I think about that in relation to the fact that a lot of us in here today are in the midst of a scary situation. A lot of us in here today are in the midst of a horror movie moment. You, you have something in your life that is scary. It's terrifying. It's a health issue. It's something at work. It's something in a relationship. It's something at school. You have something in your life. It's something with your finances that is just draining you and it's stressing you out and it's terrifying and it's scary. 
And so I think about that, and I think about the fact that nothing under the sun is new, that history merely repeats itself. And this is what I want to tell you today. This, this encouraged me, and I hope it encourages you. Your situation may be scary, but it's a sequel. Your situation may be scary, but it's a sequel. It's happened before. It's not new. It's not unique. What you're dealing with is not the first time anyone in the history of ever has ever dealt with this thing. That struggle in that relationship, that problem with your finances, people have been there before. This is not the first movie. This is a sequel. Your situation may be scary, but it's a sequel. Now let's build on this idea. Not only that, if it's a sequel, that means someone has survived, right? Like in sequels, that's the whole point. Someone lives on into the next movie. Like characters live on to the next movie. So your situation, yes, it may be scary, but guess what? It's a sequel. It's not the first time anyone's ever dealt with this. And that means if it's a sequel, someone has survived. And what that means is that if someone has survived, you can survive. You can make it through. You can get to the other side of whatever you're dealing with, with your faith and your hope and your confidence still intact. If someone has survived, you can survive. Basically, what that means is, metaphorically speaking, death does not have to be your destiny. You you can make it out of the horror movie moment that you find yourselves in right now. Um, The Scream franchise, the Scream horror movie franchise, one of the reasons um, those movies are so great, one of the reasons they were so groundbreaking, one of the reasons they're still beloved so much to this day, the original trilogy, Scream 1, 2, and 3, One of the main reasons is because they're very meta. Has anyone ever heard this term before, meta? Basically what it means is that these movies are very self-aware, like they're self-referential. The the Scream movies are actually lampooning and making fun of horror movies. Uh, They're they're actually pointing out like the cliches and how funny some of this stuff is that happens in horror movies. That's why people love them so much. Uh, And actually the whole series that we've been doing, not just this year, but the one we did last year and the one that we did the year before are based off of uh, the Scream movies. Uh, In particular, there's a character, Randy Meeks. Randy Meeks, and in these Scream movies, he is a horror film aficionado. This guy is a fanatic. He loves scary movies. He knows everything about them. He, He works at Blockbuster. He watches these things all the time. And so when in his neighborhood some killings start happening, people start dying, he's able to instantly identify what's going on. He's like, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this a lot before. I've seen this in a lot of the movies that I'm watching before. I know, I know what's going on here. I'm aware of horror movie history. I know what's going on. I'm, I'm seeing what's happening here. He is aware because he knows history. And because he knows history, he knows, okay, people survive these movies And so we can survive what we're going through too. What we're seeing play out in our town is exactly what I see happen in all these movies. And if people can make it out of these movies, we can make it out too. Um, My wife and I, I I shared this with you guys numerous times that uh, uh, years ago, whenever we felt God calling us to the Cleveland area uh, to move up there and to start a church, to plant a brand new church, that it was, a, it was an exciting but uh, excruciating time. It was both. It was awesome and it was awful at certain moments. And so we had really, really high highs and really, really low lows. And some of those low lows, as we were trying to keep a church afloat and trying to fund this thing, meant that our personal finances were 
going through the floor, right? That we had uh, our, our car repossessed and we had gas and utilities shut off. And that was, let me tell you, a horror movie moment, that was one of them, right? Whenever me, I knew that we hadn't paid our gas. And so whenever Jessica, my wife is like, hey, the water's not getting warm. Isn't that weird? I'm like, well, not too weird. Like, I guess that is what happens when you can't afford to pay your gas bill after a certain amount of time, right? Not too weird. Um, but that was, a, that was a scary, scary moment. But let me tell you this, even in the midst of that terrifying, scary moment, we did have hope and we were able to stay encouraged because we knew we weren't the first people in the history of ever to endure financial hardship. Was it unique to us? We weren't this special case that, oh, no one's ever been through what we've been through. No one's ever had to endure what we've had to endure. Actually, a lot of people have, especially people in ministry. That wasn't a unique problem to us. In fact, my parents, Charlie and Brenda, my, my parents had gone through this kind of stuff in their own life, in their own ministry. They had a point in their ministry, they had a point in their lives whenever they were younger, when money was so hard to come by for 31 days straight, 31 days straight, they ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because that's what they could afford. They could afford bread, they could afford peanut butter, and they could afford jelly. So that's what they had. And so when me and Jessica were in the midst of what we were dealing with, we're in the midst of these financial troubles and these hardships, and it feels like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. How are we going to survive? How are we going to make it? We're going, okay, you know what? Our situation is scary, but this is a sequel. We're not the first. Other people have gone through this before. And if it's a sequel, that means someone survived. And if someone survived, we can survive. If someone else has made it, we can make it. If someone else can endure, we can endure. We can make it through Two, so if that is you, and today you're in a horror movie moment, I wanna tell you, keep encouraged. Take heart, keep your chin up, because other people have made it. Other people have been in the same position you are, and they've been able to make it. Other people have been facing what you're facing, and God has seen them through and proved himself faithful over and over again. God's provided for them, and he will do it for you. You are not an outlier. It's like the sermon we talked about a month or so ago. You're special, but you're not that special. You're unique, but you're not that unique. Like your issues, yeah, they're, they're individual and they're unique, but they're not that individual and unique. Like God has seen people through before and he will do it for you as well. He'll do it again. I want you to repeat this after me. If they survived, they survived. I, can survive. I can survive. One more time. Let's say it like we really mean it. If they survived, they survived. I can survive. I feel like we need to remind ourselves of this because we forget this so often. We feel like it's not true, that like, no, they can survive and God can do things for them. No, if, if there are survivors, you can be one too. If there are people who can make it through horror movie moments, you can be one of those people too. In fact, that's why we've been studying horror movie history. That's why we've been studying horror movie cliches is so we can look at these and see, okay, what are the hallmarks of survivors? What are the things that we try to avoid in our life? What are the things that we try to embrace in our life? What are mistakes that we can avoid? Again, we've got to know our history. We've got to know our history. Um, because here, this is what I'll tell you. The only thing wiser, and this is, let me tell you, if you're young, if you're what would be, which I wish I could classify myself in this age group still, but if you're what everybody would consider young, you need to listen up because this is true for you. The only thing wiser than learning from your, than learning from your mistakes is learning from someone else's mistakes first. 
It's the only thing that's wiser. I'm telling you, even if you're like, well, I'm just, I'll learn from my mistakes. Good on you, but be smart the first time. You don't have to make the mistake. <laughs> the only thing wiser, the only thing wiser than learning from your mistake is learning from someone else's mistake first. Study history. Know what's going on. Know what issues there are and how to avoid them. In, in these screen movies, that's how Randy, Randy Meeks' character, helps the main character, Sidney Prescott. He, he's able to help her survive. He's able to help her make it through all these terrifying encounters with, with Ghostface, the, the, the killer of the screen movies. He's able to help her in all of these situations precisely because he is aware of all of the mistakes that people make in horror movies. He watches all these horror movies and he sees, okay, this, this was a dumb mistake. This was a stupid mistake. And so he's telling them, hey, be aware of this. Be aware of that. We need to look out for this. We need to make sure that we, we make everybody a suspect because that's what a problem is in horror movies. People neglect certain guys. And of course, that's the killer then. Like he's, he's pointing all these things out because he knows his history. He knows the issues that you need to be aware of, the mistakes that you need to learn from. The only thing wiser than learning from your mistake is learning from someone else's first. Uh, I want us to turn now, if you have your Bible, if not, don't worry, we'll have the words on the screen, but I want us to turn to the book of Genesis. We're gonna look at two chapters from the book of Genesis uh, that hit on this exact idea, this idea of learning from your history so you don't have to repeat the same mistakes. Uh, we're gonna be looking at Genesis chapter 12 first, and what we're gonna be seeing are two specific uh, men, Abraham and Isaac. Now, you're gonna hear me refer to him as Abram. Uh, God has a habit of changing people's names, and so he hasn't changed Abram's name to Abraham yet, so that's, that's why you'll, you'll hear me referring to him as Abram. Uh, but Abraham and Isaac. Abraham is Isaac's father. Uh, now, Abraham, he's, he's an incredible person. He's the father of the Jewish faith, uh, which makes him, uh, consequently, one of the fathers of the Christian faith. An amazing man, one of the first people that God called out, he, he called Abraham out, told him, hey, I'm going to make a new nation out of you, a nation that will be a blessing to the entire earth out of your faithfulness if you just follow me, you just trust in me, place, place your hope and your confidence in me. And Abraham does that. Abraham decides to follow God. And so he leaves the only land he's ever known. He, he sets up an altar, dedicates it to God, and he leaves. Uh, and that's where we get ready to pick up. As he's leaving, and he's following God uh, into this land of Canaan, a famine hits, a big famine. And famine in these days, I mean, that's, you're dead. Like, there's no surplus of food. There's no government assistance to help you out. You, you're done for if a famine hits the land. And so Abraham faces this, sees this famine, and that's where we're picking up in verse 10 of chapter 12. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him, then we can have her. Is this the greatest compliment a man has ever given a woman on her looks, right? Like men, write that one down. Like, look, sweetheart, I, I would take you to Outback tonight, but I'm afraid the men will see you. And because you're so beautiful, they'll take me out, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right? You can just picture Sarah and be like, oh, stop, stop, right? Uh, <laughs> verse 13, he says, so please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And so sure enough, that's exactly what happens. They get to Egypt and 
That's what Abraham does. He, he instructs his wife and she tells them like, yeah, I'm his sister. And it ends up, it actually ends up to Abraham. Uh, the whole thing plays out. He gets kicked out of the country. This country that he went to to seek refuge in the middle of a horror movie moment, right? Like a famine. It's gonna kill you. It's gonna kill your family. He, he goes there to seek refuge and he gets kicked out because they find him to be untrustworthy. Like, why'd you lie to us about this? We can't get out of our country. We want nothing to do with you. So he's kicked out and he's back on the road again, trying to find a safe place, trying to find a place where he can provide for his family, all because he didn't trust in God. Now, I want us to jump ahead now. So that was Genesis chapter 12. We're going to jump ahead to Genesis chapter 26. This is 14 chapters later, and we're now talking about Isaac, Abraham's son. Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, they're, they're going to a new town. Listen to what happens to them. This is verse seven of chapter 26. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. How many people are thinking like, I gotta see Rebecca and Sarah. This, is what, this seems absurd. Like what is going on in this family, right? It's, it's almost the exact same thing playing out, isn't it? Like, if, if you didn't change the names, you would look at this and you go, oh, it's, they just wrote it twice. <laughs> they just wrote this example twice in Scripture. The exact same struggle plays out. What happened to Abraham happens to his son. There is a fear of really trusting in God to see them through, of really trusting in God to provide for them and be their protection. It's the exact same struggle. Isaac didn't know his history. Isaac didn't know his history. Isaac didn't listen to his history. Isaac wasn't aware of, hey, I need to learn from my father's mistakes so I don't do the same thing in my life. Uh, my dad was a pastor, and as I was becoming a pastor, he gave me a lot of good tips and tricks and advice and things to you know, just avoid, things to do. One of the things he told me to do, he was like, son, make sure whenever you're working on a sermon and you write down a Bible reference, so like, you're, like today, you're gonna to speaking, be speaking from Genesis chapter 26, verse seven. Make sure you double check that reference when you write it down in your notes, and then you go to your Bible to read it. Double check it. I said, okay, I will. He looks at me, he says, double check the reference. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I get it. He goes, I just really want you to understand how important this is because I didn't always double check my reference. And this is what happened to me. And so then he starts into this story. There was a woman in the church, awesome woman who had her life turned around. She was going a certain way. And just like a lot of us had her life turned around and, and, and Jesus became Lord of her life. And her name was Jeannie. My dad's getting ready to do her funeral. Uh, he's speaking in it. And he was getting ready to read from a book of scripture where the chapter was the 21st chapter and the verse of scripture was verse eight. And this is what he wanted to read but he didn't double check his reference. And so he had the wrong book written down. So rather than the book that he wanted, chapter 21, verse eight, he had the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse eight. Allow me to read to you what he said. So he's, he's at a funeral. He's speaking about this woman who's you know, right there in the casket in front. And he, we're all here today to memorialize and to remember what an incredible woman Jean was, how thoughtful she was, how great she was. I just, every time I read scripture and I read this reference, I think of Gene. So if we would, 
let's turn to God's word today and hear what he has to say and how we can see Gene in this. And then he starts. And this is not hyperbolic. This isn't, oh, it wasn't. This is the scripture my dad read, saying this is the woman in front of him. But the cowards, the unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, all the idol worshipers, and all of the liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. <laughs> Woo, I feel like rushed just talking about it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like secondhand embarrassed for my dad all those years ago today, right? Like, oh my word. But the hard thing is he already started into it. Like once you get a certain way into the scripture, you're just committed. You gotta keep reading it through. Like you can't stop at that point. So he reads the whole thing through and he said, as he was reading it, he was thinking in his head, how am I gonna morph this? Like, how am I gonna make this work so it doesn't look like I just, uh, my apologies, let me find the right, like, he's like, what am I gonna do? So he says he finished reading it, the whole room is just dead silent. And after he gets done, he's just, he's looking at it, he just kind of says, and so aren't we just thankful that what we just read doesn't describe Jean at all. That is not the woman that she was. Thanks be to God. Like, instantly turns it around, right? People are like, amen, amen, Charlie. People coming up afterwards. The way you used that verse, that was just so powerful. Like, nah, Lord, the hand of the Lord was on me during the sermon. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So he, he told me that story petrified me. So guess what I always do? Double check my references. I, I, there is never a time that I'm not double or triple checking. Okay, what scripture am I reading again? Like I will not start reading until I am positive that I'm where I'm supposed to be, right? And the whole reason is because I've understood because of what my parents have taught me that the only thing wiser than learning from my mistake is learning from someone else's first. I don't want to experience that. <laughs> I, I want to I be aware of history, be aware of what's an easy problem to fall into and avoid it at all costs, right? I, I want to avoid the horror movie moments in my life and I know you do too. And if you want to, you've got to know history. You've got to know problems and patterns. You've got to be aware of these things and learn from other people's mistakes so you don't fall into them too. And I, I think about that as we read from Isaac and how he fell into the same exact struggle as his dad. Like word for word, the same exact thing. All these years later, decades later, Isaac wasn't even born whenever Abraham lied to the Egyptians about uh, Sarah being his wife. He wasn't even born yet. And here we are all these years later, and he's lying about Rebecca being his wife. And at first, whenever I read this inscription, my thought is, man, Isaac didn't learn. Isaac didn't learn, like, this is a struggle in his family to not trust God, to not trust God for protection and to just be honest and know that God will see you through. This, this must be a problem in their family. But then I started to think on it more and more. And I'm going, okay, well, Isaac, either he didn't learn or he wasn't told. Maybe he was never told about what his dad did. Maybe Abraham, in an effort to kind of keep up a really good look and, hey, I'm your dad and I'm the spiritual leader of this household. He didn't share the struggle that he had all those years ago in Egypt. He kept it to himself because he wanted to paint this portrait of, of somebody who had it all together. And so the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think, you know what? Maybe Isaac just wasn't told 
what happened. Maybe he wasn't told about this struggle. Maybe he wasn't told about this issue that Abraham had in his faith in God. And so as I say that, I say this to you today, I want you to know if you want to be a helpful person, if you want to be a person who influences the people around you in the best possible way you can, for the love of God, be vulnerable, be humble, share your struggle especially if you're a parent, you have got to share your struggle with your kids. I'm not telling you to go into vivid detail or anything like that, but I am telling you, share your struggle with your kids. Let them know about, hey, I wanna be open and honest with you. This is where I was when I was your age. These are the mistakes that I made thinking that I would find fulfillment or happiness or joy out of these, and it led to none of those things. It led to horror movie moments. It led to moments that I wish I could get back because they left scars on my life and I don't want you to fall down the same path. I don't want that to happen to you because if I could go back with what I know now, I would have done things differently. Share your struggle with your kids. I cannot even tell you how many people I've talked to, Pastor Donnie's talked to, Pastor Brenda has talked to, people who were were, were talking to their kids, were talking to their teenagers, and they're going through issues that we know their parents went through, but they think it's just them. They think it's just them. They think they're, they don't know why they're this way. They don't know why they're struggling with this. And they're like, man, my, my parents never did anything like this. And I'm sitting there going, oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay, I'm not gonna say anything, but that's interesting because I know they have. They told me they have. But whenever we try to keep up this facade that we're perfect and hide our history, We hurt the people around us. We have got to be open. We've got to be able to share our struggles with people around us so they can learn from our mistakes, so they can learn from our history and where we have gone wrong and not done things the way that we should have done them necessarily. We've got to know our history. The only thing wise in learning from your mistake is learning from somebody else's. That's what I love about that character in the screen movies, Randy Meeks. It's what he wants to do. He's like, I just wanna, I wanna help people learn from others' mistakes before they fall into themselves. I wanna help other people survive the horror movie before they get taken out. He, he's, he's all about helping and shedding a light on the issues that can take people down, shedding light on their problems. And that's what we need to start doing. Because this is, this is what I can promise you, an unresolved problem in your past will lead to an unhealthy pattern in your future and in your present. If you have an unresolved uh, problem in your past, you have something in your history that's unresolved or unknown and you're not actually dealing with it, don't be shocked when that unresolved problem starts to manifest as an unhealthy pattern in your life or in your kid's life. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's why we've got to know our history and deal with our history. That's exactly what happened with Abraham and Isaac, this unresolved problem in the past of truly trusting in God to see them through, to be uh, the protector and their portion. Uh, Because of this issue that was unresolved, now Isaac is dealing with the exact same thing as his dad, the exact same pattern. We've got to be able to know what our problems are 
so we can resolve them, know what our unresolved problems are, and fix them so we cannot have the unhealthy patterns in our current life and in our future life. I, I was lucky enough to have a, a mom who understood uh, uh, personality traits and how they play out by birth order. Does anyone know like kind of how that stuff works, birth order? Have you ever heard of any of that stuff? It's crazy how much that actually really does play out in your life. And so in my life, uh, whenever I was a younger kid, I was messy. Like, not normal messy, weird messy. Like, I would open up candy and, like, take the wrapper and, like, throw it under a cabinet. Weird. Like, weird. There's a trash can right there, and I'm like, like, just, just weird stuff that you're like, what in the world? This is odd. Now, for me, I was able to just play it off and think to myself, well, I'm just a kid. Like, I'm a kid. Kids are messy. I'm just a messy kid, Right. Until, until I start hanging around my other friends, going to their houses, and I see they're kind of messy compared to my messy. I'm like, yeah, that's, I got a different messy. I got a weird messy. I'm a, I'm a weird messy here. And so then my mom, she kind of explains it to me a little bit, and she's, she's saying, well, you know, you are the baby of the family, and typically just how things play out, babies of the family, it, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. You, you're, you're all about, hey, let's have fun. Let's just have fun, let's have a good time, be carefree, do whatever you want to do. And so typically babies, it's not fun and carefree to put things back. It's not fun and carefree to be really organized and to, you know, so you're gonna tend towards messy, maybe even a weird messy <laughs> like you are. And so as soon as I realized that and I realized, oh, this isn't just like a kids are messy thing. This is like an actual problem that I have. Like this is an unresolved problem that if I don't fix it now, what's kind of funny and ha ha whenever I'm little is gonna become annoying later on in life. And it's gonna be a frustration later on in life. So I figured I, I gotta address it. I've gotta fix this. And let me tell you, I went so far the other way, I'm now annoying in the opposite direction. Where, where are my people who are a neat freak like me who like my wife, my wife gets a cup Walks over, fills it up, takes a drink, sets it down. If she does not pick that cup up again within 30 seconds, it's in the dishwasher. Anybody else? Where are my people? Anybody else? That's me. That's me. I need help. Pray for your pastor because that's me. I'm, I'm that person now. I have completely like gone full circle and I'm the opposite now. Uh, but, but the whole reason, the whole reason I was able to not be messy anymore is because I became aware of the problem. I was just bliss, blissfully ignorant to it, just thinking, oh yeah, no, whatever, I'm just a messy kid. But the second I became aware, no, this is like a problem, and if you don't resolve this problem, it could lead to future problems, it could lead to future patterns that you won't be happy with, then I was able to change it. The same is true with you. The same is true with the destructive mindsets that you have. The same is true with the, the, the patterns that are hurting and, and they're not helpful in your life. All of those unresolved problems, you've got to become aware of them. You've got to know about them. You've got to study your history. You've got to know what's going on in your life and your family's life and in the life of the people that you surround yourself with, the people who influence you. You've got to know that history so that all these problems, you are aware of them. You're aware of the things that you are, have tendencies toward. You're aware of the, the issues that you naturally gravitate towards. You need to be aware of these things so you can actually work to address them or else they'll never change. And those unresolved problems will quickly, quickly, quickly become unhealthy patterns in your day-to-day -day life and nobody wants that. That's how you end up in more horror movie moments in your life, unhealthy patterns. 
You just, you're just living uh, moment by moment, day by day in an unhealthy way, and it's going to lead you into more and more situations and circumstances that you do not want to find yourself in. We have to be aware of our unresolved problems in the past, or they will become unhealthy patterns in the present. We've got to change it. Now, this is the other thing, too. As, as we do this, as we study the, the people in our life who have influence on us, as we study our past, our history, to kind of see what unresolved issues lay out there, what things we need to address, what issues uh, can still manifest. This is one of the th- cool things that will happen as you do that, as you look at the people around you, as you look at your own history for issues. You won't just find issues that need addressed. What's so cool, and I love this, you'll find God's intervention as well in your past. It, whenever, you're, whenever you're looking back at your life and you're looking back at, okay, what horror movie moments do I have in my history that I can learn from, that I can try to avoid in the future so they don't repeat themselves? Yeah, you'll find issues, but you'll also find intervention of God coming through, of God stepping into your situation and saving you and rescuing you. You see, when we are ignorant of our history, we're ignorant of God's help <laughs> because he has helped us. When we're ignorant of our history, we're ignorant of God's help in our life. We're ignorant of God's hand in our life, moving things and directing us and guiding us and protecting us and seeing us through. And ignorance of our history produces an ignorance of God's help. That's exactly what Abraham experienced. Again, Genesis chapter 12, verses 11 through 13, uh, it says this. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him, then we can have her. So please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Like, I read this, and then I just look at the verses before it, where Abraham is building an altar and worshiping the Lord for what the Lord has done for how God is seeing him through, for how God is orchestrating things in his life. And two verses later, Abraham's taking things into his own hands. He's not trusting God. It's like he instantly became ignorant of his history. He instantly became ignorant of what God had just done for him, the help that God had given him, the, the hand of God on his life. He had become ignorant to it because he had already become ignorant of his history. We cannot let the same thing happen to us. You, you want to know why? I, I don't know how this works at other churches because I'm usually busy on Sundays, right? Like I can't, can't exactly visit a lot of other churches. So I don't know if a lot of other churches talk about their personal church history a lot or not. Like I, I don't know. We talk about it a ton here, don't we? Like we're constantly talking about church history and what God's done, uh, not just in our far past, but as we've been celebrating our renewed uh, ministry of uh, two years going on three years, we are constantly talking about our history. Uh, and that's because we want to not be unaware of the way that God's helped us. We don't want to be ignorant of God's help in God's hand directing our life. We want to be cognizant of our history so we can be aware and cognizant of how God has been seeing us through and how God has been helping us. That's why we are constantly gonna be talking about our history. That's why we're constantly talking about what God has done for us. That's why we will not shut up about where we've been and what God's doing in our church because we know as we do that, as we continue to remember what God's done, what God's seen us through, it will help us in the moments to come. It will remind us that, you know what, even though, even though we'll, we'll face another hard moment, because we will, 
right? That's life. We're gonna face more horror movie moments as a church. But the thing that's so great is as we become uh, aware of God's faithfulness, when we face those new moments, we're gonna be able to say what we said at the start of today's sermon. You know what? I'm in a scary situation, but it's a sequel. This is nothing new. This has happened before, and it's happened to us before. And if God's seen us through before, he'll see us through again. We will not be unaware of the way that God has been faithful to us as a church, and we can't afford to be unaware of how God has been faithful to us as individual people. We have got to keep in mind at the forefront of our mind how God has come through for us and delivered us from our horror movie moments. It will remind you. It will encourage you. It will let you know, you know what? Death doesn't have to be my destiny. Like what I'm facing right now, this doesn't have to be the end because even though it's scary, even though it's terrifying, even though I don't know how the money's gonna come in, even though I don't know how this relationship is gonna work out, even though I don't know what's going on with my kids, even though I'm praying for them, I'm hoping they turn their life back around, even though I don't know how it's gonna turn out, I can trust God with it. I can trust God with it. He has seen me through before and I know, I know, I know he will see me through again. You see, probably the most cliche thing in horror movies, we've been looking at all these cliches, not just this year, but the last two years. I think the most cliche thing is what we're talking about today, sequels. <laughs> I don't think there's any more cliche horror movie thing than sequels, that they just keep coming over and over and over again. Like Halloween Ends just came out. It didn't end. <laughs> It'll start back up sometime. Like there, there's gonna be another Michael Myers movie eventually because that's what happens with these things. There's sequel after sequel. They constantly keep on coming over and over and over again. That's why it's so important that we know our history because as these horror movie moments come up in your life, which they will, I promise you they will, as they come up in your life, it's gonna be, scary anew every time they do, right? Like, even though you just got out of a situation, it's gonna be scary. We, we just had this happen in our life. Me and uh, uh, my wife, our car that we, like, just bought not too long ago had something go wrong with it and, you know, hundreds of dollars to fix and you're, like, stressing out over this. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. So then that gets fixed and you're like, whew, okay, smooth sailing for a while. Guess what happens, like, days later? Our garage door breaks. One of our kids left a scooter under the door. The garage door is closing, and as I'm walking away from it, you just hear, I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a fun noise. What is that? And turn around, and our garage door is all crooked. It's broken, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Like a, The second one thing ends, and you're like, whoo, out of that, smooth sailing from here on out, something else happens. There's always a sequel. There's always another part. The killer's not dead. He's always coming back. There's always another thing and another thing. Horror movie moments are recurring in life. Even when you know your horror history, even whenever you do everything you can to, to try to avoid it, to try to uh, not have it be a thing in your life, they come back. They're recurring. But this is what I want to tell you, and I, I don't know if this will encourage you, but it, it encourages me whenever I, I think about this. Um, horror movie moments, they may be recurring. They may be recurring. But Jesus' faithfulness, it's not recurring. It's relentless. And there is a huge difference. Something that is recurring has a start and a stop. 
right? Like a horror movie moment, it starts. Oh no, the car is broke. Oh man, we gotta figure this out. And okay, great. We're able to figure it out. Boom, stops. And then the next thing, oh, the garage door is broke. Now we're in the middle of it. Okay, now it's fixed. Stops. That's horror movie moments. They, they're, they're, they have a start, they have a stop. They're recurring. Jesus' faithfulness, the, the faithfulness of God is not recurring. It's relentless. It doesn't have a stop and a, a start. It just is, right? It, it just is. I, that's what Jesus says. He, he says, I am, right? That's what God says. I am. There is no start. There is no stop. He just is. And so his faithfulness doesn't begin when the chips are down. It's not like God suddenly kicks on and goes, oh, okay, now time for me to show up. He was already showing up. He was already there. He was already present in the middle of what you're facing. And so you may be new to that situation, but he's already there. He's already there. And the more that you live out your faith, the more moments you will have in your past to look back to as anchor points as you go forward into your future to say, wow, scary situation. Whew, but look at how he's come through for me before. This, this, is, this isn't anything new. This is just a sequel. If he's come through for me like that before, I know I can survive again. Yeah. I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would come back up really quick. Uh, as they do, I wanna let you know, this is, this is probably my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of all of scripture. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight. Chances are you've, you've seen this one before. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we read that together real quick? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He's constant. He's unchanging. He just is. And so when, when me and my wife, we went up to our old stomping grounds the other day, the, the area that we moved to to plant a church. We were up in Cleveland. Uh, we were driving around. We spent the, the whole evening up there. We had a really great time. Uh, and as we did, we, we just got into like, you know, different conversations that start to, they start really light and then they start getting more heavy, you know, those kind of conversations. And so whenever we're up there, we're talking about how um, just different seasons of our life, like, man, it's just so crazy thinking this was our home. Like this whole area was just our home. This is what we knew. This is where our life was. And then we moved and just how crazy and how hectic that was. And then the conversation continues and we start talking about our kids and man, they're getting so old and they're getting so big. And Griffin, our, our little guy, he's getting pretty close to before too long. There won't be any more diapers. And on one hand, you're like, thank God. And on the other hand, you're going, oh man, like no more, no more little pat pat on the little diaper button, no more that little noise that you hear with the diapers. And it's just, oh my gosh. And it starts to just weigh on you and you're going, man, that's coming to an end. Just like our life up here kind of came to an end and then the kids coming to an end. And even something as small as we were walking around, we went to South Park Mall and we're walking around the mall and we're seeing uh, Christmas stuff up. And you know, you're, you're thinking, oh yeah, as soon as Halloween's over, we got Christmas. But then after Christmas, we have winter. <laughs> Yay, like, it's the, personally, it's my least favorite time. It is the January through like March into April. It's just cold and it's gray and it's dark and just, oh, and it's, you know, Christmas and all the fun of the holidays is coming to an end. And we're talking about all these things that had starts and ends, starts and ends, starts and ends. And I know it sounds so cle like just cheesy and cliche, but as we're talking about it, you just, you, you're overwhelmed thinking like, man, but isn't it so great that God doesn't change that in the midst of all of that upheaval, in the midst of all of that constant turnover where you don't know what's coming, 
that there is one thing that is just a constant, one thing that just, it's there through everything. And that's the, the faithfulness of Jesus, that he's just, he's always there for us, no matter what comes our way, no matter uh, the fun things that start and end or the bad things that come and end. He's there and he's present and he's in the middle of it. In these next moments, we're gonna get ready to sing a worship song asking God to meet us in those moments again. And if there's one thing I could change about the lyric, it would be the idea that God doesn't need to meet us there because he's already there. He doesn't need to meet, we're meeting him in the middle of the moment. He's already present there. He's been waiting for us because he is the constant. He is the constant. And as we study our history and as we look at where we've been and as we look at different issues in our life that we wanna make sure we learn from and we avoid as much as possible, I promise you, when you start looking back on those, you'll realize, wow, he, he met me in those moments too. He was there in the middle of those. And if he was there in the middle of those, no matter what I'm facing tomorrow, he'll be there as well. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.